0: That you can hear the Mother Earth call. I know that you can hear the Mother Earth call. Devastated souls through the door and down the hall. But on the way, you stumble, fall, and crawl.
1: Give me share Hello, everyone. Uh, coming from Tatavium, Tongva land, right here, Lasso's radio. Uh, uh, with the brother with the Kuarma uh, brother uh Mateo Lozin we have a um, wonderful we're really very very, very blessed <laughs> we're very blessed tonight to have um, a wonderful guest um a legendary guest you know role models of the community um people we look up to uh Luis Rodriguez and and Trini Rodriguez um joining us today and so uh we're um we're just very happy to to be here with you And uh, we would like to to open up our hearts, and hopefully you open up your minds too, to um, discussing some heavy subjects like lateral violence. You know, like uh, we always talk about, uh, you know, promoting our community, empowering our community, but sometimes you know we end up, um, you know, uh, hating on ourselves, you know, stuff like that. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and um, and I'm gonna pass it on to uh, uh, Mateo who. Who, you know, he's he's that guy the, the 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 brown clown. There you go.
2: Hello, sorry, man. I didn't uh, <laughs> I didn't pay my my uh, cricket bill for my phone. <laughs> sorry, I was all. I can see your lips moving, but I don't hear you, my friend. <laughs> but are you doing? Youts? How are you? Are you, how you doing,
1: man? How's everything, man? Oh, yeah, how's, yeah. how's How's life been going? How How's everything?
2: You know, it's been quite good. You know, I'm doing something right. I'm still breathing. Still got some food. Got some clothes. You know, like my grandma mm. says. You know, I always have clean chonies. so I've been being able to wash my kids' clothes. So that's a <laughs> good sign. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how's uh, and how's a uh, so? What's up? So I heard you've been uh, dating lately and stuff like that. What's up? Like that's right. That's right. <laughs> I want to <laughs> get BintiTube guy.
2: right? Like, what's, what's what's up? <laughs> man? Your your new native name is BintiKetzin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you, you know so I went on a, I've been going on a few dates and this one woman beautiful person, and you know, I honestly, and I've been out of the game for uh, for a while, and uh, you know, because I was married for 13 years, you know, and uh so anyways, in the conversation, and I thought it was hip, I thought I was like, you know that had some gangster in me, you know, like I knew what's up, and so she asked me, she asked me, this is no lie." she goes, hey Mateo, so, what do you what do you think about uh, BDSM?" And I was like, huh. And so my response was, well, I don't really know, but I like EPMD. <laughs> you like that group? <laughs> she looked at me like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, my god! <laughs> no lie, man. No lie. After, after, you know, um, I said, "You know, let me use the bathroom." So I text some of the men from the men's circle, and, <laughs> and the brother that I text, he goes, "Dude, I don't know, man. Let me ask another man." So, so all these men from the different men's circle are asking each other, and then I just got the text back: uh, "Be open." I was like, oh what? Because <laughs> they didn't really know. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that, but anyways, that was the that was the one experience. And now I know what it is. So but that's what I'm sharing with you because it was just so it was just so funny. And it wasn't meant to be funny at first. I really didn't know. And so, but I'm learning, <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs>
1: You're cool little, cool little yeah. goody-choo-shoe. No, I'm messing with you. <laughs>
3: I'm
1: messing with you. But anyway, so, yeah, yeah, so.
2: Yeah, right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. But, you know, I know, uh. I know we have some, uh, we have some beautiful guests here. Yes, friends of ours. Um, very important people in our lives and to our community. And if, uh. I didn't have the pleasure of my, of my headphones working, so I'm sure you gave it a gave a mention of who's on here uh, yes Luisa and Trini rodriguez yes yes and uh i wanted to I wanted to bring them in, but I also want to do it like you know let's set it up. let's set up a good a nice song for to bring them in okay let's see what we got here I was gonna do like a comedy chase <laughs> to Luis and Trini chasing each other. <laughs> 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 All right, all right. So we're going to change up the tone a little bit. I want to welcome our our two guests. Luis and Trini Rodriguez of the Hummingbird Cricket Hour podcast. And if um, you don't know, they're also the founders and co-founders of Pia Chucha Centro Cultural. So uh, let's welcome in and uh, say hello to, to everyone, Luis and Trini.
0: Well, hello. I'm glad to be on the show with you guys.
3: I'm glad you're holding up after that date. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Trini's yeah. keeping notes and everything you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's good to be here.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll make it in the next book. Hey, Louis, you could do the next <laughs> book. You know, always running, but my tail's running away. <laughs> tail's running away. <laughs> uh <laughs> it next book
1: uh, <laughs> uh, uh,
2: So uh, tell, uh, tell us um, I know we we you know we talked a few times and uh, want I, I was able to listen to your podcast if you could share what uh, a little bit about your podcast before we uh, we transition to to the to the topic. Of of today, what we wanted to ask you, but if you could share a little bit about that.
1: And and real quick, uh, Matteo, like it seems like you're you're. We're only seeing your hat, like not your face, you know. Like so, just so if you kind of be mindful of like. There you go. There you are. All right.
2: Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the podcast we started it maybe three years ago or so. And the idea was to be able to just come on and and share some of the discussions we we have all the time about lots of different things, including well, just what's going on in the world, but also from the vantage point of what we want to see, what we want to see in the world, and because of our um, our connection and our practice with indigenous uh, practices and and knowledge, we wanted we, we come to things that way. So uh, that's that's what we
0: yeah. Think. It's it's. Um... It's based on indigenous cosmology, but for the modern world, you know what I'm saying? Trying to speak to the world today from our ancestral knowledge.
1: That sounds dope, sounds so, uh, it, you know, I like how um, the concept of that, because it's it's basically like um, being real, you know, contextualizing. How we are all living, you know, as urban uh, natives and as and being realistic to how we're reconnecting. So that's that's
0: that's that's a great approach. That's great to hear. Well, when you have a, a very highly advanced technological capitalist society that's hurting the environment, hurting social relationships, um, undermining social justice, you know what I'm saying? Then you have to go back to the ancestors for ways to go. Well, how do we address these issues? Because um, Otherwise, you can get lost, or completely get succumbed by them, or the rage is so hard that we just end up burning things down instead of really trying to rebuild and building a new foundation. So that's kind of like what we're trying to do. What we do, yeah.
3: Which is, I think it's 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 good that we're going to be talking about some of that because it's easy to talk about um, the oppression and and the violence when it comes from from uh people that are in control and have taken and stolen from. Our, our own authority. but um, but I think part of the problem is that we also need to understand to what degree we kind of swallowed that and then we give it and, and we hand it out too sometimes. If we're not if we don't heal, then we're likely to do what, what's been done to us. And so that that control up in even in in um, you know the work of repairing community recovering. So um, so I think it's a beautiful topic to, mm-hmm. to get into.
0: And we probably should say that the Hummingbird Cricket Hour comes from that Trini has been very um, embracing of hummingbirds, and she has a hummingbird sweat lodge for women. And then I was, uh, growing up, I was called a grillo, the cricket. My dad had cricket, he had animal and insect names for all the kids, and I was the cricket, so that's why we called it the Hummingbird Cricket Hour. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm.
1: That's what's up. Yeah, 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 I I also share uh uh fondness and affinity for uh the hummingbird you know because uh mm-hmm. you know as a as a you know oral history has shared you know from meso uh america that uh, the hummingbird you know represents ancestors right but but um but even even beyond that like uh it, it the hummingbird exists only on this landmass on this continent from you know top of uh uh, you know greenland uh, alaska tip of south america like the hummingbird is only uh from here right so um but also it it, it is um it it moves it works 98% of its life apparently it, it never stops uh moving right so when when the hummingbird um approaches you or or gets in your space and really kind of for that moment however long it is when you're even hearing the uh the feathers, of the, you know, going so fast, um, that's where you know, you know, you are really uh, making contact with ancestors. You know, you make your, um, in my experience, um, I, uh, in my experience, every time I've been in a really down place, a dark, dark place in my life, and I really don't know what to do, a hummingbird always appears. And so for me, that's why when a hummingbird appears, and then and it just, and, then, and it's telling me, no, to, you know, by its presence, like, you're good, you know, and yeah. it'll be woo, woo, in my face. Yeah. And then, woo. and um, so that's where I go, oh, wow. So, I mean, I even have one, a mural on my, on my back, a uh, um, uh, wall, my backyard. And, and then I, I got one on my shoulder, but then I see on Instagram, every woman has a, has a, <laughs> <has> a bird <hummingbird laughs> on their shoulder. I'm like, what the? But anyway, but, uh. <laughs> But that's a beautiful thing, you know, and uh, I just didn't know i was I was trendy, you know I'm so saying anyway, but um, but <laughs> that I was probably a, but uh, but yeah, so, but that's that's beautiful. I, I and know uh, hummingbird means a lot to me and my myself, so that's that's awesome. So yeah,
3: yeah. It's, interesting. it's interesting that you mentioned that whenever you're in a dark place, that's that's what come to you because that actually is is one of the reasons why I'm so um, I don't know, I just feel the. The connection to hummingbirds is because whenever when i was growing up and i was really troubled um with with what was going on i would go to the backyard and there was a pirou tree and whenever i went back there all of a sudden the hummingbirds would show up mm-hmm. and they would just be circling in the pirou tree and that would automatically just lift me it was like i'm not alone i'm not it's going to be okay and um and and then it turns out that at the at the lodge where we, we where we do the, the sweat lodge, um every time we do a sweat lodge, they just are just everywhere when we're doing the sweat lodge. So that's what we did. hummingbirds.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's a that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, my, my older brother, <clears throat> he was always connected to uh, hummingbirds. And I used to always joke at him. Mm-hmm. Nah, okay. But then uh when he put when he passed away, hummingbirds like they mm-hmm. always came, especially towards my sister, who was really connected mm-hmm. to my older brother. But the hummingbirds, the medicine of the hummingbirds, and yeah, you give a perfect example, you know, in his passing and and to this day now we get one that comes to the window of the living room, like it just mm-hmm. it floats it uh, comes right there and um, mm-hmm. but I totally I feel like I feel a sense of relief, you know, when I, when I see this hummingbird and. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. I used to joke with my brother. Like, oh, do I gotta put a put honey on my shoulder for me to get a hummingbird? And he used to be like, no, oh, man, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, I'm, I will eventually do that. I've been putting it off, but uh, I had a dream where where it showed up. I had a tattoo on it, and I see where it was, but I haven't put it on. But
0: mm-hmm. the
3: other thing about hummingbirds is that they're a reminder of. Um, of will willpower because that mm. went to because part of the thing is as i understand it in the lodge is that when you go through each round you have to call on your on your willpower to get through it and to face yourself and to transform and uh, and they're a reminder that if they can do it they're so small mm. and they travel so far mm. the lodge, but um but but it doesn't mean it, your size doesn't determine
1: what you can do. <laughs> I love that. That's true too. That's a yeah, so many aspects of it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's beautiful. That and that's what's and that's the the beauty of the of uh, of you know coming back to our indigeneity, right? Is is observing um and understanding and and interconnecting in those ways, right? Like so like even just that the the fact that that um, that you know we we can we can uh, cite these many uh, attributes of the of the hummingbird and see its medicinal ways right like how it touches us how it calms us how how it get, it makes us feel um, better affirmed you know like it's like that's so many so many things that that um that that are in front of us and that that we're blessed with that we just have to to t- to take a different lens right and I, and that's what uh, this path has. I think showing all of us right and, and reconnecting, so it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And and um, I was going to piggyback on on what you were um, mentioning about how uh about how we we need to you know um come back into our own ways of addressing things because, like even and this also kind of speaks to the whole um, movement to defund the police, right? Is that is that is developing or re or reconnecting on uh ways approaches of how we go about resolving things like restorative justice for example i think it is very um it is very i think it it comes probably the closest to and honestly i don't know the history of of where it's been influenced because so many things when you look into it it's influenced by indigenous uh Ideals and values, that you, for example, uh, anarchism, communism, for example, to cite something, something, and even Maslow's um, uh, theory that comes from Blackfeet people. But um, but I think that we as a community need to like uh, begin uh, developing or coming together in in terms of ways of how do we how do we address how do we come together and and give voice to. Um, people affected by uh, other people's actions in the community, but do it in a way that um, comes from a, a lens of healing uh, and, a, and a way that it also feels that it's addressed and um, and accountability, right? Like because like John Trujillo. Um, talks about like the difference or you know rest in peace, that ancestor. he's always talking about the difference between freedom and responsibility right and that that um uh that that it's not necessarily about freedom it's about responsibility and when we inculcate ourselves with the idea of uh being responsible and taking responsibility that's where we can have a, a you know an avenue for coming back to uh a more just way of being you know and very likely because like we know there was no police you know in pre before you know 1492 there was no police you know we had we addressed we we managed things and there was no um you know no apparatus that we see now in this modern times so, like i think these are you know these are way things that we should you know discuss on on another on a wider level and a greater level at least and we're even doing it now today you know so
0: well let me just say that it's understanding the laws of nature understanding the limitations and really working through them that allows you to be free so being responsible for nature and the way it does things and uh, aligning with these laws really gives you freedom so freedom isn't breaking away from all that people think freedom is no laws on that no freedom is um really aligning to all the the limitations the laws the patterns but then you're free to do a lot of things i always tell people uh I, i hate to bring in like a plane because plane is so modern but even a plane is a interesting thing that it can go fly you know, I used to love these big jumbo planes. They were my favorite planes. I didn't even like the small planes, the big planes. And I was always amazed at how this multi-ton apparatus can fly. Well, the only way to do that is to understand the laws of aerodynamics. You know what I'm saying? Understand the laws of gravity, the laws of the wind. the laws of all, When you understand these things, you're free to do stuff like fly. You know what I mean? So I think that's the basic indigenous concept, that freedom is the appreciation of necessity. What needs to be done is really what allows you to do what you need to do, what, what allows you to do what you want to do. And that, and that's what people forget. The responsibility that John Trudell, who was a very close teacher of mine, would say is um, be responsible allows you to really be fully human and therefore fully free.
1: Right, right. And and I think the way we utilize the word freedom is uh, mis- uh, is like you know misconstrues that understanding because for example joe you know our big player um your list you know he uh he works in the juvenile halls right and he was working with the youth that was a uh, um uh, for a lifer that was uh, uh about to be transferred um to you know adult population because he uh there's like a, a unit you know in Stomar right here night mm-hmm. and okay. they were doing a mural and they were doing a mural and um and the So they wanted to. So they were trying to do a mural of like, of the liberty that they were no longer going to have. So, um, so in Hmm. in trying to indigenize the situation and talk about our ancestors, um, the the idea came up to ask this Zapotec uh, young brother if he could, um, whose parents spoke Zapotec, if his parents, Mm -hmm. if he could ask his parents um, what the word for freedom was in Zapotec, so that. Mm-hmm. so that um um so that they could put the word you know on the mural so that okay. it would you know kind of you know give people hope and um and so and i think that's where it's so important for us to come back to our languages because our languages teach us our concepts and um and so the, and so then they came back and they were like there is no there is no word for freedom and the reason we deduced is that the, that because there is no there was no jail there was no concept of incarceration there was no you know you feel me there was no um, enclosure idea of you get me so that so that's what was very very challenging to hear that there was no word for freedom because there was no because we didn't have to think about um, achieving it you feel me so it's a it's a trip but yeah. It,
0: anyway you but yeah yeah enslaved. Or oppress or punish people by de- by taking away their mm, yeah, and that's why I think we have to reimagine the whole thing. As you point out, going back to the police, reimagine policing, reimagine the courts, everything, so that people realize that punishment is not the way to deal with crime. I mean, what people don't understand is most crime is is what we call criminals of want people who are hungry. Poverty is the biggest source of crime. Mm. People who don't got access, people who want part of the so-called American pie, whatever it might be. Uh, that's why gangs start up. Well, gangs start up as protection groups. They start off very much part of the neighborhood, but then after a while, they're competing. This is a competitive competition world. And I say that gangs become like little capitalist enterprises in their own way. You know, it's about my turf, my, my you know, my, my maybe after a while, my business there. Whatever to it lit, it lit business it might be, and that's why you're protecting it. You're you're making money. You know what I'm saying? They just copy the capitalist system, which does this on a big scale. Like I, all these corporations are like big gangs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they mm-hmm. do terrible things to each other. They do terrible things to other countries. Countries mm-hmm. start capturing that way of thinking. So everybody's buying into what we can call gang mentality. They say we have a gang mentality, but everybody from the you know, every party, every political party, every president, every, they all got gang mentality. And they're all trying to have power and control. And then they're trying to undermine the people who they consider are the enemy. The enemy isn't just external because they made enemies of black people. They made enemies of indigenous people. They made enemies of uh, people, radical people, people who try to change things. They made enemies out of anybody. They would go after anybody within the country that would undermine their interests, which were very narrow. So I think that's what we're getting caught up in. The whole world is in a big giant gang warfare. You know, they, they jump on these kids in the barrios and in, the, in these neighborhoods, but I go, you know, they're only doing what they've been taught. The, the big game is it's carrying on at this level and we're just barely getting into it in the street level.
2: Yeah, I, like, I like to um, ask you, <clears throat> Luis and Trini, I know how we're, I mean, we're able to identify a lot of the exterior forms of uh, oppression. But. And, and internally within our communities, like um, I know I know social media is well. for one, it's not real, but it does carry carry weight, you know, with our, our communities, more most importantly, with our, with our children. So I was just reading a post and I'm probably uh, misquoting it, but they were there was um there was a somebody from one indigenous community. And they were critiquing; they weren't even critiquing. There, I felt like they were more attacking um, somebody who identified as Chicano, and it would—they were telling that person that they're not indigenous. And so, the reason why I bring that up because um, that for me uh, that kind of relates to lateral violence. I was hoping that you could expand or even share, like what's that connected to, or how do you?
0: Yeah. yeah um... I, see, I feel, again, this is kind of like we learn from our, our masters, whatever they are. You know what I mean? And so we make enemies out of people that aren't really enemies. And once we make enemies, then we, we're okay to go to war with them, whatever that means. This is a war economy. This is a war country. This is a war. Mm-hmm. I mean, war is how we do things. So guess what? In the street, people buy into it. I'm not saying to everybody. Uh, most of the people we know are about healing, about listening, about respect. Yes, there's responsibility, there's accountability, and I have no problem with that, but there's always building and, and growing and, you know. But when people start attacking people for the silliest things, who cares? Chicanos don't mean nothing in the The world is a big, huge place that has really no borders except what was imposed. And then once the borders come, now we can't stand each other. You know, there's tribes there're Mayan tribes in Guatemala that have issues with Mayan tribes in Mexico because of a border. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, we can we can name all kinds of things. So my thing is that people are, who can deny me my indigenous roots, who can do that? Except people who don't know and two government who don't recognize it. I don't need a government to recognize my indigenous roots. Yeah, yeah. Mother Nature recognizes it. That's the point. Mother Nature accepts it, understands. I mean, uh, I, I saw this thing today where they're talking about Mexicans. Messy, messy, M-E-S-S-Y. Mexicans. Like we're messy. We're not really. Mm. And the whole thing was we're we're not really real. We don't really matter. Why are they going after Mexicans and, and Chicanos? There's a fear there. Something's fearful there. Why would they be afraid? That's what they have to look at. I don't think Mexicans and Chicanos are are, a danger to anybody. You know what I'm saying? We might be all dangerous to ourselves, but the point is we're not really a danger to anybody, but yet people are making us an issue. Uh, What are they trying to hang on to? I don't even know these people, but I know know people like that. They're trying to hang on to something that was given to them by other people. Um, And I'm not, uh, in the indigenous community, I get, for example, the sovereignty issues of Native Americans, Native peoples, and that's good. I won't step into it. They have a real issue with the U.S. government. They have to address it as sovereign nations. I get all that. But when some of them, only a few of them, start turning against Mexicans and say, you ain't indigenous enough. You ain't indigenous for reals. And sometimes I look more native than they do. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. what game are you playing? We are all mm-hmm. need to embrace who we are. There's 25 million people in Mexico that still speak indigenous languages. Mm-hmm. 68 languages in Mexico, official. The U.S. doesn't have any official language. The English is not even an official language. Mexico has 68 of them. So mm-hmm. they're recognizing that there's actual peoples there that aren't just conquered, colonized people, maybe at some level. Now, the rest of Mexico has all kinds of people, but we know the vast majority are indigenous people don't know their tribes don't know their connections. I don't know why anybody will go crazy about that because Native Americans go through that too. You know, if you go to most reservations, they're not all traditional, even Dakota, even now when We we spent many, many years in the Dene Reservation. We have elders that adopted Trini um, and we know this great people, but the majority of them are Christians. I don't want to knock them down, but they're not all like traditional Navajo. The majority of Christians. Then you got the Navajo trying to be traditional, and then you got those that combine both. You know, I mean, you can't just start attacking people because they're this or that. We have a long history that has to be looked at that made us who we are.
3: I yeah, I just want to say um, this is this is a lot that's coming up. Uh, the the idea of freedom, its relationship to responsibility. Um, healing and accountability those things are those are big concepts at the same time they they play themselves out day to day and one of the things that i think that is i'm you know this idea of being triggered which is very easy Mm -hmm. all of us have been and all of us get triggered but what is a trigger but a reminder of a trauma that's what it is and to me um when we get triggered and, and we go to this place of just being reactive and, and, um, and impulsive and not being in control of our whole selves, meaning our mind, our body, our spirit, our emotions. When we, when we get triggered, that means that we are, again, reliving the very thing that has made us um, or disconnected us from our origins, because in our, our origins, we did know who we were. We didn't have to fight over who we were because we didn't have somebody to that was trying to make us not be who we were. And so we have a whole history here in the United States and, and everywhere where Indigenous people have been uh, colonized, um, where, where now the question becomes um, how basically... Most most indigenous people will say, will say we're just the human beings. How can that be under question? We mm-hmm. are the human beings, mm-hmm. and the human beings appear differently all over the world. Very very much rooted to whatever it is that the natural laws that they could see and and you know when they looked up at the stars they had a different vantage point than we did here in in, in the Americas. Everybody did so. And when they look down at the ground and at Mother Earth, they they saw different things than in the East. They saw something different than they saw in the West, and in the North, and in the South. But, but to be rooted means to know your place and that you belong. And when you have somebody who comes and tells you, no, now we are in control. Now we you you don't belong, and we belong, that's the root, I think, of our inability to to stand in our humanity and in our ability to to be connected to all of our all of the aspects of ourselves all of our medicine all of our 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 understanding that lives in us through our dna but but when we get questioned at such a root level it's no wonder that that we go haywire that we get triggered that we get violent that we get, um, because, because basically we're off balance, we're off balance. And so the, the biggest charge that we have, I think is to, again, try to heal and not just so that we're calm, but so that we can be responsible because unless we have an understanding of where, what are, what are places in the universe, where, where we, where we are right now, where we find ourselves today, right now. And what our relationship is to to others who um, maybe we don't have the same exact history uh, in terms of our our personal experiences, but we do have a shared history of what's been done to us as people. So to to me, it's really important that that freedom is, again, a recognition of, again, as as Luis was saying, the laws of nature, the laws of the universe. Because there's 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 two kinds, but um, it's all nature. But to me, I mean, even the example of the airplane, for instance, it's a wonder. It's a wonder to be able to take off tons of metal and and all that weight and get it up into the sky. And we we um, you know we're up there. We go from place to place to do it. But then we look at okay, it's a wonderful invention, and yet all the, all the fuel that it takes, what it does to the, to the ozone, what it, I mean, all those different things. It's, it's a beautiful thing. At the same time, if we're not being entirely responsible, mm-hmm. um, we can, we can invent things that again, go against the, the natural ability of nature to regenerate, to, to, to sustain, to um, be protective of life, you know, going forward. Not just for right now, but going forward. And so, to me, it's really important that um, that this thing of freedom is not just an anything goes thing, because in nature, not anything goes. So why would it be that way when we're uh, trying to invent or to to manage or to whatever? It's to me, it's it has to go back, back in order to protect going forward.
0: Like, like when we say technology for indigenous people is you always work in accord with nature. Yeah. We won't do technological things if it's not in accord with nature. The country we're in, uh, the white supremacist country, colonialist country, did, never thought about that. They went against nature, they destroyed nature. Technology was moving, moving quickly, even if it undermined the environment and everything else. We, as indigenous people, we won't do that. We can advance technologically, but always in accord with nature. And that goes again, going back to our identity, who we are. Uh, I think we're all lost unless we recognize what Trini's pointing out. The ground we walk on makes us all one. It's a commonality. The father, sky, the earth, the air we breathe, the commonality we have to keep reminding ourselves. The rest of it is people adding on and fighting, and fixing this. I say Chicano I, for good reason. I have no issue with it. I, I know it's got indigeneity, but here's what happened. You know, when people do their DNA, uh, and I'm, I'm not a big DNA fan guy, you know, because I know that some of that stuff is kind of strange. But what they found out in Mexico is people were more indigenous than they ever thought they were. They're finding out. And I know because now the DNA stuff is getting better and they keep readjusting my DNA. They got me down as part of the Chichimerca, um, uh, Chichihuahua, Zacatecas area of indigenous, they actually know what area I'm from. They even got a little bit from Yucatan and they even found a percentage from Peru and Bolivia. This, They're getting better at understanding, but here's the funny thing. I have a niece um, who will remain nameless, who was very pro-American, Trump supporter. She dyes her hair blonde, beautiful Chicana looking, but she tries really hard to be white. I, I'll be honest with you. She found out she's 60% indigenous. And I'm sure that's causing her a lot of consternation because she didn't never recognize <laughs> that part of it. You know what I'm saying? But they, they did the DNA and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm 60%. Oh my God. So it's like, again, what, what people are arguing to me doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm, I, I work in reservations, Native Americans. They're mostly embracing, the Native very embracing, the Lakota, others. But there's a few that aren't. And generally I find them to be the light-skinned, blue-eyed natives. Which I have no issue with. If your life can be white, and you say you're Native, all power to you. But generally, I find that they're the ones that get pissed off at Chicanos, and I'm looking at them more Indian-looking than them. It's like, come on, what are we fighting? We have, we're fighting the wrong battles. You know, who's indigenous, who isn't? All. That is like this to me. the, the colonialist mind has really got a grip on us. That we're here mm-hmm. to fight. Who's more indigenous, and who is isn't. Mm. Yeah,
2: no, and. You you mentioned a, a statement I don't think, not not today, but um, when we when we met, when we, we briefly talked about lateral violence, mm-hmm. and you said, and if you could help uh, unpack it, about um, it's okay to critique the person or the organization, but not to um, try to destroy their character.
0: You know, I, I think we all need critique. i I, I have to be the first one to say I, I need a lot of critique, man. <laughs> you know, not, that, just, that doesn't give you license to start criticizing me. now. <laughs> I was taking out my notepad; it was like a total uh, paper roll. <laughs> well, but
3: thank you for the. Permission. But critique
0: that, that is done from a good place. You know what I'm saying? And not a place of I hate you, because who needs that? I mean, you can critique me, and it probably be true, but with hate, it becomes something else. Mm-hmm. But a critique that comes from, you know, I love you, I care about you, I care about my community. So I'm going to do this critique because you you need to understand or see some of the things that you're doing that is not connected to the collectivity of our growth and, and health. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can point that out to people. Uh, but I think what happens is if you bring in hate and all these things, you kind it all wrong. You know, uh, I can critique everybody. Everybody's got problems. You know, <laughs> I, I can jump on both of you guys. Why? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean yeah. it, you know what I'm saying? We can do that. But if I'm gonna critique, it's gotta be out of love, <laughs> caring. You know what I'm saying? Because I know both you guys and I know you're good brothers. I know you guys have been through a lot, both of you. I know some of your children, maybe not everything, mm-hmm. but enough to say you're in my community, you're part of my community. If I have any critique of you both or anybody, I would have to do it out of great love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My, my family, my brother, my community. Yeah, my is what I see. This is what my. I think. And that's and that's where we're missing. We're missing some of that. Circles are being broken because of all this hate and pain and poison that's coming in at people. Poisoned against each other. So much poison. And I know the poison comes from outside of us when we buy into it. It's in our families. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Even our own families attack each other this way. Like I said, some of my family that are Trump supporters were trolling me for the longest time, attacking me. You know, <laughs> And I had to stop one of them because she called me all kinds of names on, on Facebook. And I had to say, listen, I'm still your deal. You know, I'm still your deal. I mean, I and I and I can challenge. I can take a challenge, but I'm not gonna be disrespected. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They had to put a stop to it because they were getting weird. It's like, come on. We're, now we're just hurting each other because somebody has bought into a lie. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I think that critique is still good, still important, but not this attack and and the the undermining of the circles that we have.
3: And I would say it has a lot to do also, I mean, there's two things. One is uh, peacemaking, which is an Indigenous-based concept. How do, you, how do you resolve things? Um, what does it mean to be in a circle? How, how, do, you, how do you assess something and not, and not uh, do it in a way that's judgmental, but rather to understand, to understand each other and to understand what can be done? It's a uh, it's a slower process, it takes a lot of patience, it takes a lot of listening, and it takes of course speaking up because of course sometimes um you know situations may feel as if, well, it's not safe to speak up. But that's why we have to create the space to speak up and 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 to also know how to know how to protect that space. So to me, it is about peacemaking. It is, I think that the the concept that's going to need to be really um, uh, understood very deeply in order to to proceed around, for instance, defunding the police and about making our neighborhoods safe and about dealing with uh, people who are who are um, who are off balance and therefore doing uh, damage to themselves and others. It's really what to get back to the root of it. What is it? What what kind of peacemaking what kind of environment do we need to create so that they don't feel it so they they don't feel it's necessary to do that in fact just today i was talking to somebody who was saying that there was this one um um i i forget his name but he did this study on rats and and the whole thing was that um, that rats by by their nature were were um would attack and would would um you know, be uh, well would attack each other and would and would if you gave them like say cocaine or whatever in a in a cage that they would go for it. Well, one of the one of the the I wish I could remember his name. Um, one of the the scientists said something about that doesn't seem right. So what he did is he did a rat park, and I bet if you Google it, you would find out who it was. But they, he did a rat park, which meant that they had plenty of space, they had the food that they needed. They weren't all stressed out. They weren't in a cage, really confined, and and you know with you know, with a lot of rats. And then they would offer them the the whatever the drug was that they were trying to test on the rats, and they would not take it. They wouldn't go for it. Why? Because they had nothing to numb. They were fine the way they were. And think about that that comparison to our communities were to Often highly stressed, don't have the resources we need. Um, emotionally, we haven't been taught how to how to manage and process things with ourselves, much less with each other. Um, the 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 healing spaces, ceremonially or ritually or anything, have been taken away for the most part. There have been other substitutions, and maybe they're not going deep enough. So there's there's all these things that that make us prone to try to seek some kind of um, a solution that's not a solution which and I'm here I'm referring to to addictive behaviors but but it's not a solution what needs to change is not the this you know the war on drugs or all that stuff it's not successful because it's not changing the environment it's only trying to criminalize the behavior as a result of the environment mm-hmm. so to me it's really important to get back again to the root what is it what is being violated what's being violated what's being violated is our capacity as human beings to be able to use our intellect and our emotions and our and our bodies and our our spirit to be in line with things as opposed to uh, follow this this um the the idea that somehow we we have to compete in order to live as opposed to cooperate in, in order to live and that's been—it's everything's been turned on its head. So we're turned on our heads. The way we behave, how sometimes um, how we can be immature in our own development because we aren't allowed to develop, practice, practice in an environment that allows us to get to master. How do you do that? How do you do that? Other cultures could do that because they weren't being separated from their ability to do that. When you get separated from your land, when you get separated from your culture. From your language, from who you are, where do you stand? How do you stand? It's very difficult, but that's exactly what we're we're being asked to do now. We're in cities where we we don't have control of um, a lot of what we need in order to to um, to flourish and to be in harmony. But we're going to have to create that. We're going to have to create that, and that means we're going to have to call out uh, and hold accountable uh, the things that are continuing to, to maintain a poisonous environment. And I'm not just talking about the ground. I'm talking about how we see each other, how we see ourselves. That's poison too.
2: Yeah, um, I'm glad I, you mentioned about how we see each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. What about a reference to, to people who... I know there's not like a specific title, but it's also it's known as gatekeeping cultural gatekeepers, like within our communities, when people, um, you know, we some people just start gatekeeping to either to ceremonies or to knowledge or to how things are done right or wrong or what what is your your thoughts on that or how do we even like remedy some of that?
0: Well, you know, when it comes to tradition, uh and I have gone through so many indigenous traditions. Meshika has certain traditions. Uh, I started with the Lakota and Pine Ridge working with a community there, including with the uh, kids we were working with in Chicago. And then we ended up in the reservation, the Dene uh, reservation. I respect everybody's own particular tradition. I've been among the Raramari, Tarumara, my people, my mother's people. I've been among the Zapotecos. And Oaxaca, I've been around Mayan people in, in Mexico and Guatemala. I've been around the pipil. Everybody has their own particular tradition, so I honor that. I don't tell people this is wrong, you're doing it wrong, you you know. Everybody has their own way of doing it. Even sweats, Our lodges are different from um, the nipi versus the Temazcal. And so you have to honor what people do. And then we've been among the Quechua too, and they have their traditions, and we we did ceremony with them. So what I say is, okay, those things are particular things, but our elder teaches us all of that is is great and follow it, but it's all periphery. <laughs> the only thing you need to do in ceremony really is have an open heart, have an have openness of your soul and spirit to take in whatever it needs to take in. I mean, I follow the periphery. There's things you do, you turn certain ways. You know, I mean, if you've ever been through any prayer meetings or you've been through really high-end traditional things, certain things you got to do. You know what I mean? I follow them. Everybody's different. But it's all periphery. You know what I mean? And what people need to know is the essential things is what we can teach. What's essential when you enter ritual? What's essential when you try to uh, change Your life, transform things. What's essential when you have relationships? What's essential in changing community? Even revolution, there's essential things. Because people have revolution. There's some revolutionaries that are tearing things down, and some revolutionaries building and strategizing and thinking. You know I mean? What's essential that will allow things to flow? And I think that's what it's important. And what we try to teach is the essential, versus I'm going to give you a particular, you know, uh, because the particulars difference like I say, the red road has many roads. There's the red road we all get on. That road has a destination that ends up in the same place. But there's many ways to get there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's many ways to be on that road. And you have to honor how people do it. So what we learned on the on the Navajo, under what the Diné people, I don't teach it to others. That's their tradition. I'm not Diné. They've opened the door to us as the Chicanos. They've adopted Trini and and. Consequence, the whole family, we honor it, we do things their way when we're there. You know what I'm saying? But I don't go around and start telling people, no, I'm gonna teach you the nay way. That would be a violation. But again, that's all periphery. The essential things we can still carry no matter what we do.
3: And again, back to this this cultural gatekeeping. Um I think I mean part of part of the the sadness of all this is that there's been so much that's been lost we've had to kind of try to try to envision and and imagine what our what our ancestors did um, because for the most part unless we grew up with it you know transferred from generation to generation we don't have the, the advantage of saying yeah this is the way our our parents and our grandparents did it therefore that's how i do it so we're learning and Yes, we've gone to a lot of different um, um, indigenous um, ceremonies, but I I don't. While I, well, I learn from them, I'm not I'm not qualified to then you know go turn around and say oh this is how it's done. I can say this is what I experienced, but I can't say this is how it's done. And and so part of part of what I I was really appreciative about what my my Navajo dad told me. Is that um, that? I mean, he, he told me, you know, we're not trying to make you donate. You know what? If anything, this maybe will open you up so that you can find your your way back to to what your ways are. And that was really it was a relief because, mm-hmm. from what I understand, uh, Navajo is one of the hardest languages to learn. <laughs> as many times as I've heard different phrases and stuff, I can't remember them, and it's it it feels like. Um, I should, by this point, know how to, to know some basic um, basic Navajo language. Yeah, we've been but, going
0: there for 25 years. Yeah, very hard, yeah.
3: but um, But it doesn't mean I don't respect it and mm-hmm. honor it. It's beautiful. In mm-hmm. fact, part of the thing that I found so, um, I don't know, just uh, compelling was that when we would be in ceremony, we would hear them pray, and then sometimes there would be crying and there would be you know, uh, you could tell from, from the sound of their voice, uh, that what they were saying. And I didn't, of course, I don't know, I don't know Navajo, but I could understand what they were, what they were conveying. And, um, and so that's where I think it's just so important. Like what Lisa is saying that to connect, to connect at a deep level, to, to feel, which is another thing that, that one of, um, I went recently, was it last year, I think to, um, to Mexico and I was with some curanderas, and one of the things that they they said that unless you feel something, you are not gonna understand it.
0: Mm. You have
3: to feel it.
0: It's not on the head,
3: it's not up here, it's not analysis, it's not mm-hmm. um, you know, where, where you can mimic. You have to feel it in your body. And that's one of the things that I that's happened to, to a lot of us is that we've had to struggle and be under stress mode so much that we we forget how to take care of of and listen to our bodies what is our body telling us about rest about eating about relating about what feels good what doesn't feel good it's we've, we've gotten so disconnected um and it's a reflection of our disconnection to the land because the land the land feels too the plants feel too the animals around us they feel too but do we feel them do we feel them and so to me it's um Anyway, one of the things that that my dad also um, said, which is which is really humbling because I I've, I've seen some of the ceremonies he's run and and over so many years, but he told me just keep it simple, keep it simple. And to me, it's a reminder of the humility. And the other thing he says is don't get in front, don't get ahead of the medicine. In other words, let the medicine lead you. It's not us all of a sudden. Well, I know this and I know that and I know the other as opposed to if you're feeling something, you're gonna feel, you're gonna go with that. And that's how it's It's gonna lead you. You're not gonna lead it, it's gonna lead you. But that means we have to humble ourselves to be led, not to try to lead.
1: It, absolutely. I think that um, that's, if anything, that was one of the f- first things, uh, lessons that I learned um, in indigenous, you know, you know, worldview is, is that humility, like, um, when it could seem like every ceremony that I participated in, um, and whichever way it always, it always had, uh, elements of, uh, humility, um, uh, you know, and having to humble yourself and, and, and like you say, and, and what that leads to, like you say to me, is like being present. Right. Mm-hmm. Being present and and vulnerable mm-hmm. and accepting and um, and that's what uh, was very powerful, like uh, about uh, our ways, you know. And uh, coming back and and I think uh, like you you mentioned like because we are disconnected, we have a trauma response is to everything. Like we we have and that's that mental health component, right? That or that. Body mind and soul that intertwined so we have trauma responses to um, uh, our past, our historical trauma so if if when the Spaniards came, for example, they they raped, they pillaged, they beat, um, they abused um, we internalize a sense of of um, secrecy, uh, perpetuate it, and then we. And then we're further um, uh, unable. We, we further have these um, colonial constructs to cope, and that's like the church, which the church then um, uh, perpetuates patriarchy, oppression of women. Uh, you know, like uh, judgmental. So you have all these uh, these f- factors that, that just keep keep us on this. This uh, like you said earlier, balance imbalance of uh coping skills right and then and then then on top of that we have the capitalist system which it, um which inculcates us with this uh validation of of self uh you know married with wealth married with these these you know superficial things and and i think even in in our, in our like we're talking about lateral balance even in our recovery and our resilience and our coming back we still have these we still have these little, you know, uh, colonial, like, like tendencies, like to be judgmental and to, to right away, like respond, like, yet we're like, we understand we are, we need to come back to our healing, but we still have these things, right? And, um, but um, but uh, on another, uh, so similar to what I was trying to get at, um, also, I think we even have to like, just re-explore how the construct of time uh the way it's set up it's set up for efficiency right because the western value system is competition conquest and efficiency right so and and not saying efficiency isn't bad however we have to get up by a certain time be at work by that and and produce by a certain time but you know and and so we're always clock watching clock watching and we're and, and um and, and and so when we do have these conflicts or this lateral violence or these incidents in the community, we don't have the time, we, you know. And time is is where we can we can uh, um, unpack these things, you know, to have the space and be able to still survive. Like if it, like like you're saying, it, I I only could picture back in our pre-colonial times that yeah we had uh, crops that were already. Had enough, you know, squash and corn and frijoles, whatever. And there was, you know, issues we needed to address. We would, we knew there was food, and we could spend how many days it took to, to resolve it, right? And so, and we would be together in this way, you know, and and we would sing and as part of our healing, you know, we would dance as part of our healing, you know, so many ways that we're just so removed from it, just layered, you know. But 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 like you say, though, Luis, like we cannot. Um, I mean we need to be open to critic criti- criti- you know being critical, you know, of each other. And but but at the same time, there's a difference between uh, critical in um in a constructive way and and a, and a destructive way and where it's attacking, right? And that's part of our sickness. I mean, when we talk about carceral reality about prisons, like you know how in free economics, that book free economics talking about how when Roe versus Wade um Uh, when that that came into being um by the late 80s early 90s like crime had dropped and the prison population dropped like there was no there was they they started to be like like almost crime-free cities and all these police officers uh, you know the captains and all this were like oh it's because we've been doing such a great job well it happens to be that because you know um there was less uh unwanted pregnancies, so there's less trauma in the home, right? Like, when when you, and you, you know, those of us who have to, uh, who've been in prison, you know that they come from trauma, you know, like severely traumatic situations, right? Where they were abused, neglected, you know, the whole list of, but intensely, right? And so that's why, like, really, the, instead of incarcerating, we need to be really uh, you know, re- rehabilitating, healing, you know what I'm saying? Instead of like uh, being punitive. But but that's another topic. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm well, babbling. I'm babbling now.
0: I think it's all related. One of the things that's important to point out, uh, people talk about the patri- patriarchy. And what they may, it's very oppressive to women. It's all very oppressive to queer people. It's very oppressive to people who don't conform genders. And it's just so oppressive. But what they don't realize is that patriarchy, the biggest, well, not the biggest, and one of the most important things it did is made masculine energy the leading dominant energy. Which is everything you're pointing to, product, uh, the time, it's efficient. That's all male, masculine energy thinking. You know, we got to get practical things done. And it's all important, like you're saying, but it has to be dominated and led by the feminine. And the feminine is what's been crushed, pushed aside, mutated, knocked around. Women as well has been knocked around. That's what people don't understand about the patriarchy. It just turned everything on its head. We're trying to get back to the way nature really sees it. It's feminine is the first energy and masculine is the second energy, but you need them both. But the first like they always say, what came first? That's chicken or the egg? Me and Trini always point out, well, the design has to come first. The egg comes first. The imagination comes first. And then, then the chicken, the design that gets made, because <laughs> that has to be fertilized, right? That's why you have a male uh, in, in energy, masculine energy in there. But what I'm trying to point out is we got to turn things back the way it is, because the feminine is the leading, most important primary energy. It doesn't take away masculine, it just puts it in the right way, because then we, our first thing wouldn't be what's pocket- how do I survive? Money, time, like you're pointing out, all these things. We're all time clocking, whether we have a time clock or not, we're all worried about it. We're living in a patriarchal w- world of masculine leading. And that's where I think we have to get back to some very fundamental things. If we're going to change the world, but I think it's a spiral, right? You're talking about for us, it's not linear and it's not really circular or oh, the same thing over and over again. It's a spiral. That moves and actually advances forward and elevates everything but we're getting stuck we're stuck at a certain stage of human development and that stage either we get unstuck new things get born or we're going to die you know what i'm saying because that's what that's where we're at we're getting close to killing off a lot of the things that sustain us and so we have to reimagine it back to indigenous the collective um everybody's connected we're all one uh, that uh, the shared well-being of everybody should be primary. You know what I'm saying? Not just for a few. All these concepts have to now become part of our way we talk. And again, if we're going to be critiquing critiquing each other, which I, there's valid points for that, let's do it in such a way that elevates and advances our community, not just tears it up, tears up our groups, and gets everybody hating each other. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I think it also.
3: Uh, com- I mean, this idea of critique. Um really it, it, to me, it just means uh, to look at the situation, look at reality and and accept reality for what it is. And the problem is I think that because reality is so distorted, the reality that we were forced to live in is so distorted. It's painful to look at it and and it's easier to get to get distracted, to to avoid it, because we don't know even where, where to start sometimes because of the loss of the, the grounding ceremonies and all the other things that could help us get through it. But, um, but I think one of the practices that's so imp- um, important is usually critique. I mean, there's two, w- two parts of the critique. One is the outward, to critique what's outside. But the other thing is to look at what's inside. What is what is the critique of ourselves? What is it? Where are we off balance? Not where where is somebody else off balance, and where is where is something? Because you know what the, that's the hardest thing to do, and I think the reason why is it becomes it comes back to responsibility, because once you have once you look at yourself, um, then the responsibility and the blame isn't somewhere else. The responsibility is is with us. Will we take the time to heal? And to become aware of what our strengths are, because it's not just all the critiques. What our strengths are that we got to lean on in order to be able to bring the energies that we were born with to bear on what needs to happen. How are we going to contribute? Because we can't. We're we're very particular, just like just like nature. Everything in nature is very particular. Well, we're particular too. We're nature too. So what is our nature? What what you know, are are you a fire energy? Are you a water energy? Are you a wind? Or are you, you know, uh, air? I mean, um, what? with the earth? <laughs> anyway, what what is what is your predominant, your predominant energy? Um, and we have them all, but there's, there's predominant energies. And then of course, there's the, there's the, the way that we move, because we all move, but how do we move? What is our particular way of moving? Because If we can identify that, then we have to say, well, are we mastering, are we mastering our energies and are we mastering the things that we were born with, our gifts? If if we're not doing that, we're not being responsible ourselves. And, And can you imagine if we had a situation where the environment and everything would lead people to be masters of themselves so that they could then be in proper alignment with with how to take ourselves and be responsible to everything that feeds us everything that 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 we need to to stay alive and then to also leave for our for the next generations it, to me it's it's very much um the fear of facing ourselves because because of the distortions that we're carrying as as you said yeah the the colonial tendencies sometimes even in ourselves to to be judgmental and then judge. And then when we look at ourselves, we're going to be judgmental instead of being patient and trying to understand, okay, so how do I, what do I do? What do I do? How do I correct myself? How do I, how do I do what I need to do to be responsible? And then you have a whole, if this is happening with individuals and families and communities, we're going to have people who can stand up and be responsible because again, responsible. As, as Lisa's always said, it's able to respond. Able to respond properly, in alignment. So to me it's um it's I think it's really important this thing of um of time too. It's interesting that you mentioned that uh, about time being so you know again it's being it's being manipulated to the ends for the ends of production and and all these things that that um kind of escape looking at well what are we doing this for? Yeah, we're gonna do it, but what are we doing it for? What's gonna be the end result? Um that I think it's um Thich Nhat Han, that uh that Vietnamese um yeah. guy, he says that what is love? Time and attention is love. So if we're gonna have, if we're gonna have time, and we all have time. We all have the same amount of time. Are we giving a, what kind of attention? Where are we putting our energies? In other words, with that time? And and whatever we're doing there, that's gonna show what we love. So to me, it's um, I don't think it's it's contrary to what what Meshika teachings would be. In other words, how do you organize yourself once you understand? Your your place, your your responsibility to yourself and to others. How do you organize your your time and your attention to show what you love? Mm. Oh,
1: those are that's, that's excellent. That's I I I, I love how that's uh, how you ended with that. That's exactly. That's that's right on. Right on. Yep. Yes, and it's so much uh, a big part of our, our healing. You know, this uh, love, right? And uh, time and attention to, to how we want to be, who we, really are, right? So that's 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 right on. You know, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. No. And um, that was. I'm, I'm here uh, trying to write notes on my uh, little notepad right. <laughs> <laughs> Trini, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and we, we're we're coming to um, the part where we're going to be closing out. I wanted to ask if um, bef- before we close out, if Luis could share some words in regards to uh, our topic, and also if Trini, if you'd be okay to close us out with some words to send us off. And also, lastly, that we've got some messages on our on our Instagram, and pe- some people thought we were going to go live on Instagram. Um, so, I don't know, maybe a uh, food for thought. If you all wanted to go live, like not now, but like we could set up a time where we could do something where people, because you know, some people want immediate access right away.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, let's do that. But, but let me just say um something that me and Trini have been saying he- healing is about wholeness. And that's really what we, we got to struggle for the wholeness. We're all fractured. We're all broken down. Personal wholeness, wholeness in our family, wholeness in our community. So many gaps, so many many fracturing. So I think that's what the struggle, even if somebody critiques, is to help that tearing down, not the fracturing. So I want to just leave it with that. Whatever we do, let's build towards wholeness. And that includes personal, family, as well as, Community, as well as the way the society is, uh, wherever we're going, it's built for the wholeness of our humanity and our relationships to this great cosmos and earth and sky and everything.
3: Well, um, I, first of all, thank you for inviting us to be part of the podcast, and thank you, great, uh, thank you, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, and I just want to say that I think there's that we have to we have to be patient with ourselves and we also have to be patient with each other because um again if we're not careful we will reproduce the same things we're trying to undo and so to me it's it's so important because we can't afford to to be hurting ourselves or others because because healing takes time too healing takes time and attention to the degree that we keep you know um adding to that pain and adding to that to the issues that we're carrying um, it becomes it becomes a longer process to heal so my my hope is that um, these of course these discussions but also um, the presence of, of uh, ceremonies and and all these things that we can recover them so that we can we really need to heal we need to heal we deserve we deserve to be present in a good way and and that means that that we need to figure out the ways to what what do we need to create and support and and what kind of environments do we need in order for that to happen and so I I see this podcast as as an aspect of that of trying to bring out discussions and and things that are are important for us to to reflect on so that then we can do something about it
1: yes. And and I and I love how you, you really pointed out how we wanna be responsible, responsibility. We have to take responsibility for our own our own uh healing and our own connection and our own areas. Even even we have this tendency we keep on you know what I mean? Like even how this is a primarily all male right here, right? It should have more female right here. You know, there's a lot of things that we even we still subconsciously perpetuate you know and and, and when and, and we but like you say we can't shouldn't beat ourselves up about it but just know that it's a lot of work that it isn't overnight like it's beautiful thank you thank you so much for we're so honored you know to, for you to be
0: you know joining we'll us both. here yes. thank you time we'll do a live thing whatever you feel we need to do let's do it yeah
2: it sounds, sounds good thank you thank you luis and trini rodriguez of hummingbird cricket our podcast all right. Yeah, we gotta say, Sai Chen, bye bye, <laughs> <"Temo kawa."> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the <last> <last>